Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Kelly Hinks to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Kelly, we're so excited to have you with us today. And go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background working with school libraries. Well, thanks for having me. Um, This is my 12th year as a school librarian, which is kind of hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a classroom teacher for four years before I became a school librarian. And I taught first and fourth grade. Um, I kind of traveled a bit in the beginning of my career, um, I worked at four different schools in six years. So I got really good at starting over, but um, I've been at my, yeah, I've been at my current school for the past 11 years. And yeah, and um, I work at a private school in a suburb of Detroit and it's with preschoolers through third graders. So all of my experience has been at the elementary level. Okay. Um, And I'm also involved in my state organization, which is the Michigan Association of Media and Education. Okay. Do they they call you a media specialist then instead of librarian? Um, Well, we're in a bit of a process right now of of changing that. But um, currently, I am a school librarian at my school, but it depends where you work, what they call us. Yeah. 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 And I remember several years ago, you know, AASL was doing like kind of like polling, you know, to find out what everybody was called. And, you know, like at the heart of it all, we're school librarians, but we just, you know, do so many different things. So it's a, yeah, it's it's interesting. Even that, even within a state, they're called different things, you know. Yeah. And it depends on the, it depends on the school district. Um, And even there's some school districts that call them media specialists, but they themselves call themselves school librarians. So (laughs) I think it really just depends on you and your position. Yeah. And out of curiosity, like if you have a degree, I don't know if yours is a master's or whatever, or an endorsement, what do they call that? Do they have? Uh, The endorsement is library media. Okay. So I guess you could take it either way. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I guess you could take it anyway. I do think that that is also in the process of being changed by the state of Michigan, but um, I don't know enough about it to speak on it, okay. but I have heard yeah. that, yeah, yeah, being revamped too. Interesting. Okay. So you said Michigan, we have had one other person that I can remember from Michigan, but tell us, uh, give us a little reminder, like what does it take to become a, a media specialist or a school librarian in your state? Well, to be a certified school librarian, and I guess I need to put that in there, right? Um, you have to have a teaching certificate. Okay. And then you have to have that library media endorsement on that certificate. Okay. Um, it typically is a master's degree in library and information science. Um, and that includes a practicum experience. Okay. So you do have some, I guess, student teaching is yeah. sort of what it would be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also a certification test for the state right. that you have to pass as part of it. Um, Currently, school librarians are a critical need area in our state, so there's just not enough of us to fill the positions. So um, there's an experimental program going on through Wayne State that allows certified teachers to earn 15 credits instead of the full master's, but they still have to do the other requirements of the program. Interesting. 
yeah, I don't know how long that'll last, but yeah, that's where we are right now. Okay. So people in Michigan, if that sounds interesting, check it out. So, yeah. 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 Was that Wayne state? That's where they would find yes. it. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Yep. Well, very interesting. Okay. So you mentioned you had um, a lot of fresh starts, <laughs> you know, as you yes, changed school, <laughs> time, but so you might have a funny story from any of them or even the one where you are now, but t- tell us something um, about your first year or two in the library. What do you remember about it? Okay. So I, this was, this is a hard question for me because I, I feel like every place you start is a little different. So yeah. your experience starting there and then every new program you start sort of starts things over. Right. But I feel like going back and taking myself back there, I had found where I fit. Oh. Um, I loved being a classroom teacher, loved it, but the school library felt like a home, you know, like it was like my niche, right? Um, I got to work with both students and teachers and that idea of leading from the middle that I had learned in classes, Mm -hmm. I actually got it. Like it made sense. I was like, oh, I see how I can do this, right? Um, There were two things that I wasn't really prepared for. Um, And I guess it makes sense. I just hadn't thought about it until I was in it was as a classroom teacher, I had these kids that were, I guess, I don't want to say mine, but they felt like mine. Right. Yeah. Um, and I got to know them really well, but it was for one year. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the library, I got to know them over a course of several years. Mm -hmm. So that whole idea of relationship building took on a whole new meaning because, you know, I wanted to build a positive relationship with a student at the beginning so that it carried us through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah. mattered. So it mattered a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, and I was in sort of this unique position to, to, um, to talk about a student's growth and progress from the time that they were in preschool to the time that they leave me in third grade. Mm-hmm. And that was not something as a classroom teacher I could do. So it was interesting to be in that position, right? Um, The other thing is librarians are excellent sharers. Teachers are, but librarians take it to a whole new level. (laughs) And so I really learned to, um, I don't know, like Harry Wong says, right? Beg, borrow, and steal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of my best ideas are not mine. And I just have learned how to recognize the really good ones and then take that, tweak it to make it work for my students in my space or in the library and, um, you know, kind of go from there. But, you know, somebody will come in and they'll be like, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, if you only knew where I got it from. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really the value. You You talked about relationships with students, but also the relationships that we build. And I'm going to say probably through social media. Um, because that's where we can get so many of those ideas that we're going to beg, borrow, or steal. Um, you know, we, we, we see pictures on Instagram or we see chats, you know, in, in Twitter or in Facebook, whole conversations, you know, that are going on. So, man, that those are invaluable to us, you know, to helping us really build, yeah. build ourselves professionally. So, right. And, and, um, you know, social media is a big place where I connect with other librarians. It's where I get a lot of ideas from. I can't say that there's too many times that I don't go on 
to Instagram or Twitter and find a new idea that I can try. Um, going to conferences, I'm fortunate that I have had that experience. And so I've gained a lot. I usually go and I've come back with so many different things to try. Yeah. Um, some big ideas that I want to, you know, think about and kind of, you know, let fester for a while, but then others that are things I can use right away. Right. Right. Definitely. Okay. So let's think about, um, think about the audience that's probably listening today. There's going to be a lot of um, early career people listening. Um, so when you're thinking back to yourself back at the beginning, is there any kind of advice you know, that would have been really helpful to you when you're starting out? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. If you could only talk to your younger self, right. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely tell myself to be observant and to listen, mm -hmm. which is still something I'm working on. Um, <laughs> I am a talker. I mean, you can tell that probably. <laughs> and um, I have to remind myself all the time. It's okay to slow down. Mm -hmm and to really stop and listen to what someone else is saying to me before I come up with an answer. Um, and cause that has impacted my ability to one, make connections, mm -hmm. which is really important in our position. And then um, the collaboration piece, you know, there's opportunities in a passing comment, mm -hmm. you know, of a teacher or administrator or something that's being shared at a faculty meeting or even at lunch okay. that, can then lead me to follow up with them and say, hey, I saw that you mentioned you were doing a unit on bees, which our junior kindergarten just did. Mm -hmm. And here is a bunch of resources. This book is awesome. Maybe we could come up with a lesson to do together on it. Um, and and that, those opportunities exist only if you hear them. <laughs> and so they're all around you. It's just a matter of making sure you're paying attention. Yeah. And as you were saying that, it was making me think of, because um, I, I teach graduate school now, and uh, right. one, assi one assignment they have is the reference interview. You know, and as school librarians, we, I don't think we spend a lot of time learning that process, you know, compared to like a public librarian or an academic librarian. Right. Uh, but even like what you were just saying, you were kind of listening and observing and trying to figure out, you know, what is that main thing, you know, that they're, because it is so easy to jump in and say, oh, you want this? Well, no, that's not even what they're really asking. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's happened too, where I have an opportunity to co-teach a lot the way my schedule is set up. And um, I'll go into the lesson thinking, we've got it. We've talked about it. We're going to do it this way. And then once we get started, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. That really wasn't what we had. There were some points that we missed. Yeah. And some of it's because I haven't slowed down to really listen and take it in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good points. All right. So we are well into our fall at this point. Um, school is going strong. So what are some things you did um, to really kind of help this year be a great start? You know, I don't know if you were out you know, with the pandemic or, you know, hybrid with the pandemic, but what did you do this year that really made it be a good year? Well, this year is unique for us compared to last year. I mean, I guess every year for the last several years has been unique, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, at last year, we didn't have any students in the space. Okay. Now they were still able to check out books. I was on a cart. I had actually four different carts. It was a little crazy. <laughs> 
but I felt like I was doing CrossFit down the hallway every day, but, um, we made it work and, um, they still had library services and we were still able to collaborate, but this year is so much better in that they're actually able to come to the library, um, which helps immensely. But one of the things that I struggled with last year because of all of the stuff, no matter what that is, right? I was having trouble finding the joy in what I do. And I love my job. I mean, it, it's, it's feels like home, right? So this was, this was a problem. And I said to myself, okay, we're going to fix this. So I started something called a sparkle notebook and it actually has like, do more of the things that make you sparkle or something okay. on the cover. Yeah. And this is not me normally. Most of my friends would even be surprised that I have such a thing. Um, but what I do every day at the end of the day is find something awesome that happened. My sparkle moment, right? Okay. Yeah. And it can be anything from something a student said um, to a lesson that went really well to the fact that I got new organizers for the tables and I love them. I mean, <laughs> you name it, whatever the awesome thing is. Mm -hmm. And it's really helping maintain that positivity, right? Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm finding from it is that I have all of these great anecdotal notes that I'm going to be able to pull from when I write my um, annual report at the end of oh, the year. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. The story of the library, I can tell it a lot differently now that I have this whole you know, all these little, you know, tidbits from the year. Um, the other thing that um, I find really important that I miss, right, is um, going back and following up with teachers. I feel like we never have time. And so um, if a teacher or their student is part of my sparkle for the day, <laughs> I go back and I tell them, and that little piece of interaction, that relationship building, that, you know, that extra collaborative piece is something that we were missing. Hmm. Yeah. I, so. love, I love that, that extra part that you're doing there with that. Wow. That is, because I'm just imagining somebody coming to me, you know, and telling me basically you made it in my book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're my sparkle yeah. for today. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes. Yeah. And then that sometimes sparks like, you know, well, I loved it too. Let's do this. Yeah. And so then it's branching off and leading to other opportunities. Good. That's good. Okay. Now you did mention the pandemic and, you know, that you're back in person, you know, in your library, but when you think back to it, like what's, what was your biggest kind of takeaway from that? Well, I don't know if this is really pandemic, but it was also kind of happening at the same time. Okay. But the idea that um, it's forcing me to stop and reflect mm -hmm. on what I'm teaching, what my collection includes, mm -hmm. what my program objectives are, you know, is this really what the direction we want to go? Yeah. And um, I've been participating in a lot of professional development around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And some of that's driven by my school, but some of that's also me wanting to learn because I just don't know enough. Right. Um, and so then it's causing me to really check myself 
and look closely at what we're doing to make sure that it's supporting all of my students and the faculty that I work with. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been lessons and projects this year that we've been like, nope, that's not something we should have been doing all along. It's out. <laughs> that's, that, that's a yeah. good practice to do. Yeah, and, and it's hard sometimes to admit that, oh my gosh, I can't believe we've been teaching this or, oh my gosh, we should have been doing it this way all along. Um, but it's, it's important. Yeah. It's important. It, and I, I referred to this man several times, but a couple of years ago, um, AASL was in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And, and the, the keynote, one of the keynotes was Dr. Adolph Brown. And uh, I saw him. It, okay. Well, yeah. He said that day has stayed with me forever. It, it was that a reflective librarian is an effective librarian. And that's really exactly what you're saying because you know, you've used that word reflect several times um, as you talked about, and, and it's all in improving your effectiveness, you know, or it's going towards making your program more effective or you more effective. So I love, I love that, that saying an effect, a reflective librarian is an effective librarian. So. Yeah. And I, yeah, you know what? It's funny. I, I didn't take that away, but I remember him saying it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but You're living it now. <laughs> yeah, but I think the pandemic kind of forced me to stop and say, okay, really, what what's our goal, mm -hmm. and and who does this support and who doesn't this support, and and is this what we want? Yeah, and um, you know, and if I don't know enough, where can I find out? Mm -hmm. You know, um, which is not something I necessarily can say I was doing before, so. <laughs> I can admit that. And so. I, you know, I know we were crazy busy, but I think we also had times that were quiet, you know, when yes. the reflection was more likely to bubble up, you know, to, yeah. to come yeah. to our mind. So, okay. So I know Kelly, that one thing that you are definitely passionate about um, is a, a read, creating a reading culture. So let's talk a little bit about um, first, maybe define what, what does reading culture mean? And then we'll kind of get into um, your, your thoughts on it all. Yeah. Have you ever Googled reading culture? <laughs> Just Googled it. Yes. You get like a bazillion different answers, right? Um, so I had never actually thought about reading culture, which is terrible for me to say as a librarian <laughs> until I went to the MAME, which is the Michigan, my state association's conference in 2018. Okay. And I listened to the fabulous John Shu, mm -hmm. and he talked about reading culture in schools. And I stopped to really think and reflect on what ours looked like and what it included. So to me, reading culture, it revolves around three things, choice, access, and positivity. Okay. And I read one of your blog posts actually, okay. um, that helped me to kind of figure out where I fit <laughs> in the puzzle of, because there's a lot of people who impact reading in a school. Right, they do. They, they, there's just they a lot. <laughs> and there should be, right. And all of us kind of play a different part, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do I fit in the puzzle? And so you defined it as like the reading quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it was came from one of your administrators, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. Yes. And um, so I've sort of taken that and I am using that mindset when I sort of, make decisions or ideas or implement different techniques to help improve a school's reading culture or in influence. I guess I can't say improve, but influence sure. a school's yeah. reading culture. 
Um, and so looking at my school, um, I realized uh, I work at a private school. So um, access to books was not really an issue that my students have. Okay. But um, what kind of books they have access to. Yeah. And the access my faculty had was an area that I went, whoa, we could fix, right? Mm -hmm. um, choice in my building was valued. Reading was valued as a whole. So that was not something I had to really worry about. Um, and choice was valued, but we had all these places where we could be talking about literacy and reading and we weren't. And so that has sort of been where a lot of these ideas that I have implemented have kind of come from. Okay. So, um, and I kind of look at it from the look view of um, students, teachers or faculty members, um, parents, and then my displays. Okay. And I have taken displays out because I feel like they serve such a different purpose um, than like the audience that you're trying to talk to. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you some of these ideas or? Okay. So you've defined reading culture. You, mm -hmm. you started talking about um, what it meant specifically, kind of like an action research plan, you know, at your own yeah. campus. Yeah. Um, and so, sure. So I guess the next step then is, so you, I, you, I, you defined it, then you started looking at your own campus. So then maybe like your response to that, like what were, what were the next steps, your action steps that you took? So in looking at students, I was missing the piece of student voice. Hmm. I was making great recommendations and my <laughs> teachers were recommending things and, you know, we were doing great in that area, but we weren't having student to student opportunities. Hmm. So um, looking at ways that I could um, put their voice into it. Okay. Um, so one of the things is I, um, again, this is a borrowed idea um, as I have a selfie station okay. in the library. It's just an extra iPad. <laughs> and all the kids do is take a picture of themselves holding a book they would recommend oh. or they're excited to read. Yeah. Um, and we talk a lot about, you know, an appropriate picture, which ties in some of that digital citizenship, right? Mm -hmm. And um, then once a week, I take those pictures off the iPad and throw them in a Google slide template. And I have this giant um, screen at the back of my library okay. um, that can be seen. Actually, you can see part of it when you actually walk into the building oh, okay. because of where the library is and the windows and the hallway and all that, right? Yeah. So um, like what a great way to display student voice is to throw it up on the screen and the kids can see it and it's, it's on a loop mm -hmm. and it just plays all day. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's I one way that coming, in, coming in and saying, I want that purple book with the whatever. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. That happens all the time. They'll like point to the screen and be like, I want that one. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can find that one. Um, the other place that I've added some student voice is I um, borrowed this idea as well. Um, <laughs> um, I have a junior library council, okay. which is an after school program but it is a place where students get a book budget 
and then they can help purchase books for the library. Nice. I like that. Yeah. They have to survey the whole school. They have to analyze the data. They have to decide they have to live within a budget. Mm -hmm. Um, and then those books are purchased. And so, um, What's great about those is I don't really have to sell those to anybody. All I have to say is this was picked by the junior library council and they're usually like, I'm in. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so that's kind of where the student piece fell. And then for faculty, what I was noticed is they just don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Time is like a huge problem for teachers, as we all know, as librarians too, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was buying all of these really great books that were, you know, including diverse characters or supported a specific curriculum they were doing, and they never had time to come get them Mm -hmm. or even look and see what was there. And so um, I had to figure out a way to share these books, but also not make it harder for them. So (laughs) one of the things is um, everyone goes to the bathroom. So, so we started bathroom books. I can picture and, it. Already. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, at first it was an actual basket of books in the bathroom. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. And it was only faculty bathrooms, not student bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. But um, with COVID and that we decided the germ factor wasn't appropriate. Yeah. So actually this is going to stay this way, regardless of what happens in the future. Um, I have a sort of like poster Mm -hmm. um, that says it, and then I can swap it out every week with book recommendations on it. And what's great is then what I found was teachers, when they ask me for the book, then we're having a conversation, Mm -hmm. um, about what they're doing with it, or if they want extra support related to it, or if they want other titles connected. And so then it's adding this extra layer of collaboration, Love all it. through this. I, um, I, I was picturing when you first said it, I thought you were going to say like plastic sleeves on the back of the doors. <laughs> Some people do that. You, yes, I've seen things like that where you put, you know, slip in different books each month or whatever. So we have, um, we have a just it's a, a single stall. Yeah. So oh. yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like that, but um, yeah. yeah, and I usually have four books that I show and then, yeah, it goes from there, but I want to expand it actually to the student bathrooms. We have grade level bathrooms. So I want to get it into their bathrooms too, but we'll see baby steps. (laughs) So, and then for parents, um, I, we work as a department. So I have two other librarians who work with me. Um, and so we put out things as a department level. So we have Pinterest boards that we make recommendations on, Um, we have usually do a summer reading, like a reading suggestion. It's not a program, so to speak, but if, if people are interested, they can, um, go along with it. We also, um, I do a newsletter Mm -hmm. monthly or bi-monthly, depending what's going on. Um, and I make recommendations in that as well so that I can connect some books from school to home. Yeah. Um, yeah, and can make a connection there. And what's that's caused is I've actually had parents reach out when they're looking for something for their child. And then I can even, you know, make additional mm-hmm. recommendations. Mm-hmm. So do you yeah. ever check out to parents? I did that at my public school and people thought I was weird. Yeah, but I was oh like, yeah. That was elementary. You- and it's like, no, it's the perfect. I mean, we were neighborhood school. They all, you know, nobody had cars. They weren't gonna, they didn't have a way to a public library. So I thought, why not let them take 
you know, as parents, a couple of books home. So, yeah. And we actually have a parenting professional section. Oh. Um, so it has books for uh, on parenting, but it also has books related to teaching okay. that, um, that teachers and parents can, can ask if there's something there that they would like to check out for their child or for themselves. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anything else then on, so that was your, your three main audiences, anything else? Yeah. So displays. Okay. okay. So I read a blog post, um, by the fabulous Jennifer Lagarde yes. and she talked about how, um, your blog, your displays need to be meaningful. And it wasn't until after reading that, that I went, oh, I've been making really pretty boards, but <laughs> they actually don't serve a purpose. Right. And so she talks in that post a lot about it being valuable real estate. And that each display really can help sell or share your library story. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what my displays are now. Um, and I kind of view every wall as a potential place to display something. Yeah. Um, so I have these windows in the front of my um, library space. And I keep saying my, I should say the, it's not really my, but the library space. And, um, at the bottom level, I put books that kids can check out. And I can't tell you how many times kid walks in and grabs a book from the window because they've been walking by it like all week long looking at it. Right. Um, but the top part was going unused. And so what we started doing this year was kind of along the lines of having these conversations about books okay. was it's for teachers to display what they're reading. Oh. And actually it's all faculty members. So the school um, administrative assistant is up there. The custodial staff is up there. The security is up there. Mm -hmm. um, but any adult basically, right? And they share what they're reading and it can be anything. I tell them, like, if you're reading, you know, the newspaper, like somebody has the New York times hanging there. Cause they read that. Mm -hmm. um, another teacher has a cookbook because that's what she's looking at at home. Um, and those change based on, you know, you start a new book. I put a new cover up there okay. um, and it's got the picture of the teacher, their name, and then what they're reading. Uh. And um what's great about it is now we have teachers having conversations about books and they have this whole positive energy going mm -hmm. around literacy and books, which isn't directly connected to students, but it is mm -hmm. because it all impacts that reading culture. Um, yeah. And we've found out that people are reading the same books. So now they're having conversations about what they're reading, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 Very, oh, I love that. I just, I can picture because I, I had those huge tall windows, you know, that right. kind of, and, and yes, I think that would have been unused space for sure. Wow. Yeah. And so there's so many spaces like that. I, I can go around my library or the library right now and I can see, okay, here, I want to add this mm -hmm. because it is every space should be used yeah. as, as a way of promoting mm -hmm. reading and, and books. I'm trying to remember if it was Shannon Miller a year or so ago when all the Bitmoji things first, you know, became super popular. And she, I think she had made like signs for all of their doors with their Bitmoji. And it was like what I'm reading. And then the yeah. teacher would put up, you know, like, yeah. And we tried that. Okay. And it, it didn't, it, it's easier if I manage it, manage, um, which yeah. I know is one more thing for me to do, yeah. but it's more successful because, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it was hit or miss. There were some teachers who really participated and then there were others that didn't. Whereas this way I can give gentle reminders like, hey, what are you reading? What can I put up for you? (laughs) I can think too, like if it was all in one place, then I could just scan it, you know, real quickly and not have to like walk the halls, you know, looking. Well, yeah. And there's a little bit of, um, oh, she's reading this book. I should tell her that I'm reading it. You know, a little bit of, I don't want to call it peer pressure, but, um, you know, like you, it's a reminder. It's a constant reminder. Yeah. Yeah, That's good. All right. So for any of the listeners who are thinking, you know, this really sounds, I've never thought about reading culture, never thought about any of these, these ideas. What would you kind of say are some first steps for them? Okay. So my, what I want to tell people is not necessarily um, about reading culture specifically, Okay. but if you have this, it sort of makes everything easier. Okay. Um, so you need a backable circle. (laughs) And I've always understood the power of a mentor, Mm -hmm. right? I had some amazing mentors. I'm going to name drop, um, Mariah Touche, Sherry Dobbs, Carol Keeler without them, I would not be talking to you because I'm not sure I would have made it (laughs) as a librarian. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I read this book called Backable by Sunil Gupta okay. um, that I understood this idea of a backable circle and the four types of people that you need. Um, now, he in the story in the book doesn't really talk about um, having just four. Okay. <laughs> Some people can switch roles. Um, you can have people who serve as both. You can have six people who have all four, right? Um, but there's four kinds of people you need around you. You need a collaborator. And that's the person you can bounce your ideas off of. That's the person who's going to help you be really productive and move your idea forward. Okay. Um, and without all four of types of these people, none of my reading culture ideas would have ever flourished into anything, right? Um, You need your coach. That's your traditional type of mentor. You know, the person who guides you. You need your cheerleader, the person who thinks you're awesome no matter what. That's my mom. (laughs) And then you need your cheddar, which is the person who's going to totally poke holes in your plan. The person who's going to ask you all the tough questions, you know, most people avoid your cheddar, right? They avoid that person and they are like, yeah, I don't want to ask them because they're going to tell me my idea is terrible, but really they're the ones that allow you to adjust it and make it better so that when you go to implement it, it actually works. Mm -hmm. Or when you're standing in front of your administrator, trying to convince them that this is a really good idea and they should support you in it, that you've already filled in the holes. I love that. Yeah. If this book, I tell you, is become my new guide to advocacy. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm sure it it was not written for school librarians. And that's, that's one of the great things that we can take all these books you know, that are written for other things, but then apply them, you know, to our own. Yeah. It's actually written for entrepreneurs, but, um, I, it, I, it, it was, it ended up on my desk and I read it and now I'm like, it's my guide to advocacy. Yeah. That makes love it. Okay. So for our new people, let's say it one more time, they need a backable wheel circle. Sorry. I'm saying yes, a backable circle. So it's the collaborator, the coach, the cheerleader, and the cheddar. Okay. Very <laughs> yeah. good. So maybe um, listeners jot those four down and maybe 
kind of even pencil in who do you think might be that person, you know, who's currently acting that in that role. And if not, then seek them out. You know, there's, yeah. there's going to be somebody out there and uh, librarians are often, and I even thinking about like my cheddar, you know, in my previous um, job where I was, was not a librarian, but she was just somebody that would sit with me and just drill in, you know, with all, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yes. I need to think. And need sometimes, to yeah. And sometimes on a grade level team, Mm-hmm. you can find all four of these people, you know? So when I go in to present an idea for a project or when they've asked me for an idea about a project and I bring them what I've, you know, think yeah. might work, um, you know, I know there's going to be that one teacher who asks the tough questions, but really it's so that, you know, we can make it better. Better, right. And, and for the students. Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, Kelly, this is, it's been awesome listening to you today and hearing your ideas. So, um, and so you mentioned four, you know, the four kinds of people that you look for, but what else do you do to keep learning, um, to keep yourself sharp? Well, I like to use social media. I always say, you know, whenever I go on Twitter, um, it can be such a time sucker, but at the same time, I usually walk away with something new. Yeah. Um, so I love to connect there. I, um, also follow a lot of blogs. Um, I read the knowledge quest blogs a lot. Um, there's some amazing people there. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I do write for them. That's not a shameless plug, but it's, it, it usually I find so many other people that have such great ideas. Um, you know, I follow, you know, a lot of the librarians who, um, I don't know who you hear a lot about, but um, at the same time, there's a reason that you're hearing about them. Um, I talk to um, my colleagues so I can learn a lot from what they have to share. Um, you know, professional books tend to be, I'd usually save those for the summer though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> during the school year, I just don't have that, that kind of time, but um, yeah, social, social media tends to be a lot of it, but conferences too. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And so for the listeners who want to connect with you, you, you mentioned social media, where will they find you online? Um, they'll find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Kelly Hinks one. Okay. There was another Kelly Hinks, I guess. Okay. Um, and I just recently joined Instagram. I haven't quite figured it out yet. I have to be honest, <laughs> um, but you can find me there. I'm not as active there as on Twitter, but it's Kelly.hinks. Okay. And um, I also blog for Knowledge Quest. Okay. So you can see me there too. So we will have um, show notes that, that will have links for all of these, uh, these social media handles that she's just mentioned. And um, I'm going to look for some other information that, that you've shared um, throughout this time. Like if I can find Jennifer Lagarde's blog post, you know, that, that you're yeah, and I can, about. I can send that to you too. Okay. You yeah. Um, so. And then I, I, I did share with you the, um, the session I did at MAME, which had a lot of the reading culture ideas in it. So okay. you're welcome to share those slides. Okay. I don't know, you know, I mean, somebody might get something out of it if they, and they can always reach out to yeah. if they want. Yeah, no problem at all. So we will have those links. Uh, they'll be available at the show notes. So if you visit uh, laurashineman.com and go to the blog or po- go to the blog, actually, that's where you'll find the show notes so that you can, uh, the listeners, you can find the different links that we're talking about today. But Kelly, thanks so much for sharing. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And um, just thank you for all that you're investing back into our, our field. It's a wonderful addition for everything. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun to talk. You're welcome. Have a great day and, and I look forward to connecting with you some other time. Yep. Sounds good. Bye.